0: Hello and welcome to the inaugural. is that the word? No yeah okay. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Murderland Chicago: A Deep Dish of Death. We're here to talk about Chicago and its very special place in murder and serial killer history. My name is Jonathan Sanchez Leos and my co-host here is
1: Meredith Halsey.
0: And the first question we want to address here is why? Why are we making a true crime podcast? What makes this one so special? And why should you add us to your rotation? Well, it's because we are putting the sociological into sociopath. That means we're talking about how the environment of Chicago and the Chicagoland area interacts with the criminal mind. Serial killers do not exist within a vacuum. And in the case of our home city... Meredith and I are attempting to spring to the surface how Chicago creates the conditions by which serial killers are able to act with impunity. But first, let's give a little context about who we are and why we're focusing on Chicago of all places. Meredith and I first met when we were undergrads at the University of Chicago. What are your other Chicago bona fides, Meredith?
1: Well, I grew up in the Westlawn neighborhood on the southwest side of Chicago over by Midway Airport, and I'm also a product of the Chicago public school system. I did a few years in Boston and got a degree in library science, but aside from that, I've spent the majority of the past 20 years living in Hyde Park. What about you, John?
0: So... I'm originally from the West Elsden neighborhood. That's also by Midway Airport. Meredith and I are repping the southwest side of <laughs> Chicago here. But I've also lived in Belmont, Cragen, and also grew up in Joliet, Illinois. What's funny is that no one outside of the southwest side of Chicago really knows anything about our neighborhoods besides the fact that Midway Airport's there, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot. <laughs> there's... Parks and I think there's,
1: there's a white castle.
0: There's a white castle. <laughs> It, but it's sad because, you know, the, the, my neighborhood It actually has, like, a really fancy-sounding name, yeah. right? Like, West Elsden, it makes you think, like, you're talking about, I don't know, some castle in fucking England. Um, I currently, I must admit this, live in California, but I spend a lot of time here in Chicago still. I also lived in Russia, and uh, I come back to Chicago all the time because it's home. One thing that I also want to point out is that you and I are both professional nerds. Like I said, we went to the University of Chicago. 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 Um, And that environment is pretty merciless. Only the nerdiest of the nerdiest survived that place. And because we are professionals, we could not release a podcast without some kind of thesis statement to introduce the whole conversation because our professors would probably fail us retroactively.
1: God forbid. Mm -hmm. All right. Today, Jonathan and I will give a high level overview of Chicago and the broad strokes of the city's history. In the episodes that follow jonathan and i will explore and outline the history and context of a few of chicagoland's most vicious killers setting them into the context of the larger sweep of chicago's history and although we will be talking about their crimes we won't be lingering on lurid details or going for shock value Instead, our goal here is to explore the context surrounding these killers in a way that only Chicago natives can.
0: Uh, So many people have a, a serial killer podcast or want to talk about true crime, but they forget the fact that these people live in communities, they live in cities, and that city plays a part in how well or how successful they are, for lack of a better term, in being a serial killer or a murderer. And it just so happens that the city of Chicago... We just have the perfect ecological conditions right. for a serial killer to emerge, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to be examining all the elements in our city that help these killers act with impunity from the changing cultural landscape of Chicago's gold coast in the 1960s and seventies to the economic and ethnic shifts of the suburbs in the 1980s to the city's very complicated relationship with our police department, Mm -hmm. a lot to say there and no way that we can ignore this. And I think this is probably something that's going to put us apart a little bit more is that we're going to be going in depth about how racism, homophobia, and good old fashioned misogyny also played a part in helping these killers get away with their crimes for far too long. You wouldn't get these serial yeah. killers acting for as long as it. You can't get a gacy in Seattle. You know what right. I'm saying? You can't. It's just there's no way.
1: The conditions aren't right.
0: They're they're not ripe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it doesn't work. They need a little bit more mulch. You know?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So, getting into it a little bit, Jonathan and I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and as those of you out there will remember, this was the height of the Stranger Danger messaging. This helped shape uh, how I came to understand the world. Because of Stranger Danger, when I was really young, I wasn't allowed to leave the house alone, so I spent my earliest years just reading everything I could find, and of course that included my mom's copy of Helter Skelter, The Mm. True Story of the Manson Murders.
0: Classic. Classic.
1: You know, my mom also bought all those tabloids from the supermarket. So I read all of that as well.
0: I wished my mom would have bought those fucking tabloids. Yeah. When I had enough money, I would buy the Weekly World News ones. Oh
1: my god, Alien Boy.
0: Alien, <sighs> bad boy. <laughs> bad boy.
1: So this kind of, and I think you feel this felt this way too, there, there was a lot of anxiety in our childhood. Yeah. And the way that I managed my anxiety as a child was reading everything I could find about... Murder, killers, uh, mayhem, all of the things. Um, it's how I really sought to understand my environment and interpret the dangers of the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what, what's probably going to piss off Gen Z, I'm going to say there was probably more anxiety mm-hmm. back then than there is now. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like Gen Z people feel like they invented anxiety or that they're the first ones to ever experienced this yep. emotion. But I think the difference is we had more anxiety and less healthy coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm right That's so exactly right what i think is so fucking weird what i remember the 80s and the 90s in chicago is not just like how much murder was talked about but how much it wasn't talked about yeah. because people just chose to ignore it mm-hmm. right i mean 80s and 90s you know what i'm saying like bodies are literally being dragged out of basements yeah. throughout the entire fucking city you know what i'm yeah. saying like gangland murders are happening on the daily. I remember going to school and, you know, hearing about cousins and brothers, etc. said Like, everyone was dying. And somehow, the train kept on running. And so I, I don't think it is by any odd mistake that chicago became so synonymous with murder right right? you know and i think that you and i both have that experience too when you leave the city right when people find out that you're not from naperville you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying you're from chicago their first question is like how did you make it out alive you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like how many bulletproof vests do you own you know that's exactly it but you know like let's talk a little bit about what makes chicago so different you know, so Chicago, from a demographic perspective, let's just get out some raw numbers here. There's about three million people here, just within the city borders, and we're not a big city, right? right? And just within the metro area, right, mm-hmm. which we call Chicago Land. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, there's about ten million people. Yeah. Okay. Which is a shit ton of fucking people. Yes. All right. That basically means that if Chicago, the Chicago Land, were a country. It would be ranked 95th in population. And I know that because I spent too much time reading world population statistics. And so, <laughs> Meredith, where do you think that puts us on a world scale? Like, what, what countries do you think have a similar population?
1: Being around 95th by population puts us somewhere between Tajikistan and Belarus. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: think the thing that surprised me most was to see that Chicagoland was actually has a larger population than Switzerland. Yeah,
0: fuck Switzerland, man. (laughs) We are owning Switzerland so hard. If you even look at this by area, right? Chicago's like bigger than most other countries in the world. And we're not even that large of a city, but I, I think that that's also one of the reasons why like people, especially on the West Coast think Chicago is its own state. Right.
1: That's super embarrassing. It is.
0: But I think that this speaks to how yes. large the city looms yes. in the consciousness collectively and why, like, we get nicknames like Chirac, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that treat Chicago as if it's its own country.
1: Right, exactly. And then there's also Second City, yeah. which started out as an insult from New Yorkers, mm-hmm. but we evidently took that name and made it our own.
0: Because we don't care what New York thinks about us. Right. Okay. Yeah. They they want to talk about their pizza, and for us, it's just like, you can have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we are happy that we don't have pizza that tastes like cardboard. Also, Windy City, right? Right. Everyone knows Windy City. I don't necessarily like the Windy City one, only because most people take it fucking literally. Oh, yeah. Anytime I've ever been anywhere in the world and I've ever uttered the phrase, oh, wow, it's windy outside. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone's horrible, not funny uncle is just waiting to be like, (laughs) but aren't you from Chicago? And please, people, if we can do anything here today, I want everyone to know that Chicago gets the name Windy City not because of the wind, but because it was a joke back in the late 19th, early 20th centuries that said that we had politicians who were, quote unquote, full of hot air. And therefore, it made us a windy city. Yep. You know, the, the one that I like, though, okay, my favorite one, there was a poem by mm-hmm. Carl Sandburg mm-hmm. where he says that the city of broad shoulders, yep. hog butcher for the world, right? Mm-hmm. I, as a pretty broad man, I love this joke. You know, I love. I become the the unfunny uncle. You know, because I like to just be like, you know, from Chicago, broad shoulders. You know, and then you can't see me, but then I comedically point to both shoulders for um, an effect that usually, I think, sometimes elicits it's laughter. Effective. Yeah, it's I effective. think so. I th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm batting a pretty high average yeah. with it, so it, I think I'm going to keep it in the repertoire. So we talked a little bit about what Chicago is demographically What our numbers are, etc But let's talk a little bit about why Chicago is different What's in the DNA of the city itself That distinguishes it from other cities And what I'm about to say is Not just the ramblings of a crazy man But this is a lot of repurposed information From a really interesting book by Colin Woodard Uh, He wrote a book called American Nations, A History of the 11 rival regional cultures of North America. If you've never read it, please do. That is not a plug. No one is paying us to do this, okay? But his basic thesis statement is that cities in the United States have all retained some sort of DNA from their early origins. For example, New York City, founded by the Dutch, used to be called New Amsterdam, yep. right? And the Dutch also have a history of mercantilism and cosmopolitanism that is still a fundamental part of New York, right? I mean, case in point, the cosmo, oh. sex in the city. If the Dutch had never founded New York, we wouldn't have the cosmo. That's true. And we wouldn't have sex in the city. We also RGB. wouldn't have
1: had Wall Street.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Wall Street, it lives in New York because the DNA of that place allowed it to be the perfect host yeah. for that type of culture to develop. You know, then you have other cities on the East Coast like Philadelphia and Boston they feel more English. I've talked to people from England. They go to Boston. And they're like, this is like fucking back home. You know what I'm saying? Like they even have the accents that are even, they're still remnants of British dialects, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have Los Angeles, right? Founded by the Spanish. And the point here is that every city is different, right? And that, that they owe something to their origins. That something about that origin story still lives on In their current narrative. So Chicago, one of my favorite fucking cities, not just because we grew up here and Mm -hmm. we have the best pizza and Italian beefs and whatever, right? But also because we're the only one, only major city in the United States not to be founded by a colonial power. It wasn't founded by the Spanish or the English or the French, right? Mm -hmm. Our founding parents of Chicago, Jean-Baptiste Point du Sable. Uh, a Haitian man of African descent and his wife, Kitihawa, a member of the Pottawatomi tribe. Yep. They're the first year-round residents of the area. They're the ones who found our fucking city. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. No white dude in a fucking wig. It's Dusabo and Kitihawa.
1: Yep. And what I especially love about that pair is once more people started moving into the area and, and joining the settlement, they pieced out. <laughs> they were like, there's too many people here. Goodbye. <laughs> No, they just wanted their little
0: fucking cabin. Yep. For those of you who don't know, if you ever come to Chicago, the they they did not preserve their home whatsoever, right? But there is a monument and it's right at the confluence. That's the word, right?
1: No, it's at the mouth of the river. Fuck Okay. <laughs> In a... The confluence is, is a little ways away.
0: Okay. So so not the confluence. The mouth of the Chicago River. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like now it's like multi-million dollar fucking condos and this is where they made their home. And so I don't blame them, you know?
1: Absolutely. So the next chapter header in the city's history is Fort Dearborn, which was founded in 1803. Mm Mm-hmm. And in 1812, that fort was burned to the ground, and its inhabitants were massacred by the Potawatomi. Yes, and that event is forever memorialized as a star on the city of Chicago's flag.
0: And I'm still Team Potawatomi. I'm just gonna <laughs> put that out there right now. Controversial statement, but I'm still it is. Team you, Potawatomi.
1: You're, you're, you're taking a <laughs> After that, the next star on the city's flag is for the Great Chicago Fire Mm -hmm. from 1871, and that fire took out about a third of the city overnight.
0: I recently was giving my friend a tour. Yeah. We go by Water Tower, right? And I'm like, oh, you know, like, these two buildings, only two buildings that survived the Great Chicago Fire, Mm -hmm. he had no idea what the fuck I was talking
1: about. Mm -hmm. And
0: I was like, don't you know, the Great Chicago Fire... (laughs) you know what I'm saying I just feel like this story has been burned into our brains we should do an episode about it yeah. okay because it's murder you know what I'm saying but uh, the, if the cow might have had some like
1: that, that or... story is apocryphal it is and also
0: <laughs> well, there's also like anti-irish sentiment in there too right oh yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, we'll,
0: we'll yeah. get into that later. Okay, okay. but if you don't know about it there was a big fire okay
1: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was a big fire <laughs>
1: And after the fire, 20 years after the fire, Chicago held the 1893 World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And this was, at the time, a huge triumph because just 20 years later, that meant the city was rebuilt in record time. And this is the third star on the flag. Mm-hmm. The final star represents the 1933 World's Fair. And we don't have a lot to say about the 1933 <laughs> World's Fair. Because it's like, about it. Yeah, it happened and then it was gone. <laughs> Maybe there was some murder, we could look into
0: it. I like to think of it as being like when like Michael Jordan like first joined the
1: Bulls. Replace mean? it with Michael Jordan. Like of with Michael, is Jordan. Michael Jordan. You could consider these events as baptisms of murder and fire for this city. And although Chicago has had devastating setbacks, it gets back up every time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love and hate that, you know, like, if you go back to this original idea that Woodard had about cities having a DNA, you know, Chicago does definitely have that, you know, let's rebuild and keep on moving forward, right? And that is a great mentality to have. You know what I'm saying? If you are a worker, it, it, it's especially great uh, ideology to have. If you are the person who is able to, you know, make money off of people whose labor you're able to exploit, yeah. right? Which I think is what we see more.
1: <laughs> more over yes. the past three years, yeah.
0: But I think it also creates in Chicago this. Unwillingness to sit down and think, like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't Mm -hmm. go to work today. Maybe, maybe we should stop what we're doing and fix what's going on as opposed to just moving on and moving forward, yeah. right? Sometimes yeah. a train, sometimes you need to take it off the tracks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think that that's kind of what what we need to do here. Yeah. Uh, I want to wrap up some of this with a quote about Chicago that I think is really important for people to hear. Uh, this is from Rudyard Kipling, who was an asshole. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, uh, never knew Anyways, Rudyard Kipling was an asshole, okay? okay? Everyone agrees, okay? There's no controversial statement there, right? (laughs) But he, he lived up to that reputation when he actually came to Chicago and he gave a quote about the city. He said, I have struck a city, a real city, and they call it Chicago. The other places do not count. This place is the first American city I have encountered. It holds rather more than a million people with bodies and stands on the same sort of soil as Calcutta. Having seen it, I urgently desire to never see it again. It is inhabited by savages. Fuck Rudyard Kipling, okay? Like, this is. It's just so mean! Yeah. Like, this shitty fucking British dude comes here and decides he's going to be like, oh, you're filled with Savage. I don't know. Fuck him. Fuck all of have it. a good time. No, I'm there. glad.
1: Speaking of, some of the Savages we'll be talking about in this season of Murderland Chicago are Brian Dugan, John Wayne Gacy, and The Ripper Crew, which included Robin Gett, Eddie Spreitzer, and Andy and Tommy Cocorellis. Each of these men were somehow shaped and enabled by Chicago's unique environment and culture, and the consequences were felt across the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. And some of those consequences took the form of permanent changes to Illinois law.
0: One of the things that we're going to be talking about is the fact that you can't just think about how Chicago influences the serial killer or the murderer. You have to think about how that murderer or serial killer is also influencing Chicago. Mm-hmm. So much of what our culture is here is actually a reaction to the presence of this malignant force. you know right. i I like to think of serial killers as viruses, mm-hmm. right. Serial killers have existed since the beginning of humanity. There is something in our genetic code that naturally produces this type of person, yeah. okay? It's a type of person that, psychologically speaking, you are talking about a person that has an antisocial personality disorder that also has, like, a very specific form of narcissism, right, that also has, like, a high degree of antipathy, right, Mm -hmm. lack of empathy. It's just this this unique combination of qualities that need to all meet in the same body, Mm -hmm. right, And I think tangent here, but one of the reasons why serial killers exist is because our genetic code is not there. It wasn't written for, you know, the individual survival. It was was invented for our group survival, Mm -hmm. right? You know, there are times where we need to all kumbaya and share. And there are times when as a species, we need to look out for ourselves and no one else, right? And that's what's going to ensure the survival, you know, the, the fact that our species will survive, right? Exactly. But all these permutations need to happen in these random people until you find the right mix in the right person at the right time. And those conditions we find happening in Chicago, which become an almost perfect host for this type of person, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with the culture of the, the people, the fact that, you know, this keep the engines moving, you know, like don't stop and think about it. It's all allowed murderers and serial killers to be able to function because our environment is allowing them to flourish, right? right? Yeah. It's taking advantage of the conditions that exist here, you know? And that's exactly what we're trying to explore in this podcast, the numerous ways how that has happened. Chicago has some type of relationship with more than 100 documented serial killers. And for a city that's just 200 odd square miles, it's it's something that distinguishes us, right? Something is definitely up here in Chicago. There's probably something in the water. Besides the lead and arsenic and whatever else, uh, we've been drinking since we were kids.
1: Yeah. In each episode here, we will explore the intimate relationship that Chicago has with serial killers. And as we mentioned before, this is not an exercise in voyeurism. This Mm -hmm. is an exploration of what makes this city such a magnet or incubator for murder.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, join us next week. We're going to have our first discussion, our first murderer that we'll be examining, uh, Brian Dugan, uh, a name that many people have forgotten. Yeah. And that conversation is going to touch upon not only Chicago and the western suburbs and how problematic the western suburbs are, mm-hmm. uh, but also white privilege, uh, the recession of the night of 1980 to 1983, wrongful convictions. Yep and spoiler alert uh, the ending of the death penalty in the state of illinois because again it's not just about how serial killers affect directly their victims but how we as a community as a uh, as a state as a, as a city have responded to their malignancy
1: yep all right so stay tuned and thank you for listening Murderland Chicago, A Deep Dish of Death was created and produced by us, Jonathan sanchez Lives and Meredith Halsey. Our theme music is the original Chicago blues, which was composed by James White in 1915 and performed by Katerina Storchius in 2021. Artwork is by Laura Gosdell.
0: Special thanks to everyone who helped make this season possible, including the friends and family who listened, gave constructive feedback, and offered advice and pointers on recording and editing, and thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe to Murderland Chicago, a deep dish of death on your podcast app, follow us on Patreon at Murderland Chicago, and find us on Instagram at deep dish of Death.
1: Throughout the making of this podcast, we did quite a bit of research to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, but we know that sometimes information sources contain errors, and we accept that, in conversation, we may have introduced errors to the stories. To that point, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please send any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors to us at deepdishofdeath at gmail.com.